Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit LifePointPB.com. You guys know James and Heather, and they're such a special part of the ministry here. And uh, I'm still thinking about some of the illustrations that James, that he shared the last time he spoke, and uh, just a real encouragement and blessing to me, and I know to many of you as well. James is going to be sharing God's Word, and I'll let him tell you, but the Lord kind of orchestrated even this morning what he's going to be sharing. So let's welcome James as he comes. Thank you. Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. We just give God all the glory and the honor and the praise for this day, for just being here. And uh, having this privilege is just a uh, wonderful opportunity, and I, I count it as that. I, I count it as a real privilege and an honor and a joy uh, to just be able to come and break bread with you and just share uh, what the Lord has given me to share with you uh, this morning. Um, I'm grateful to uh, the pastor, and I just appreciate his heart um, in terms of his care for me and my family and the ministry that God has me in and uh, giving me these opportunities. So thank you again for that, uh, Pastor. Um, and I heard that there is a meeting at 1230, so I think that was slipped in so I would know when the cutoff point was. <laughs> got it. Got the, got the subtle hint there. I'm good. All right. Um, if you would, turn with us. There's two passages of Scripture that we're going to start with uh, this morning. First is found in Matthew chapter 7, and then the other is Luke 13. So I'll let you find those two. Um, again, I'm grateful for my family, uh, my wife, and... Uh, uh, my daughter Autumn, my son Caleb, and my son Jesse uh, here with us this morning. Uh, I just thank God for them. They are such a blessing and a joy in my life. Um, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 read, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 22, reads, And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for uh, 
this day, a day that you've made and we are glad and we rejoice in it. We thank you for this hour, this time that we have spent in worship, in song. And Lord, now we want to worship you in the word. Speak to us as only you can. Lord, I pray that I would be allowed to decrease, that you might increase. Lord, what I truly desire is that the conversation goes on between you and your people. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There are several things about this passage of Scripture that I've grown to love, and and the Lord's... just really touched my heart when it comes to the the first thing about this and when we talk about entering in at the gate and the way and all those types of things is this verse clearly shows that Jesus has a concern for the lost he cares about lost people and as pastor was saying as I'm praying and and just letting the Lord speak and getting ready for the message then pastor brings up all these people who have been uh, stirred to go and care for people who are lost, to go and share the gospel. And, uh, and, and you know what? Here's the thing. Let me immediately take the pressure off of you. Everyone here isn't called to go to all those various places, okay? Uh, I, you know, sometimes that can be such a huge pressure because we, we see people, God is called, and we're excited for them, but then we want to just kind of go like this because, you know, we, 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 we don't feel that call and we don't feel that stir to do that. But we're a body, that, that's fit together, and everyone has its place and his purpose and, and, and things that God is doing. So I'm grateful for the England family and, and for all the others that are up here that God is sending to those places. But you know what? God's got encounters for you as well. He's got conversations for you as well. And all of them kind of come to this point right here, that there is a gate that is described by Scripture here as narrow. Okay, it is a narrow gate to enter into. Now, not only is the gate narrow, but the way on the other side of the gate is narrow also. Here's what that says to me, that when it comes to how we enter into our relationship with Christ and then how we are supposed to live with Christ in us, it's not an anything goes type situation. Okay? The gate is narrow. When I, when I try to picture that, here's what comes to mind to me. Imagine a gate so narrow that, ladies, you can't bring your purse through it. <laughs> Only you. You don't get to bring any baggage. You don't get to bring any other stuff. The only thing he's letting in is you. Nothing else will fit. The, 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 if we can even formulate in our minds some type of three-dimensional or four-dimensional design to this gate, nothing else can pass through there. He's saving you. He's loving you. He wants to bring you in, but he doesn't want you to bring all the other stuff in. That's got to be left behind. That's what makes the gate narrow. Because you know what we want to do? And, And this is why few find it, and I'll get there in just a second. We want to be saved on our own terms. We want to tell the Lord, okay, yes, I want this, but I got all this other stuff that I want to be a part of that as well. 
And folks, I'm not even talking about denominational differences or, you know, religious beliefs. I'm talking about what Jesus is doing when he saves your soul. That he's doing it. And he gets to set the terms for that. That gate is so narrow and the way is so narrow. Jesus goes on to say something here in verse 14 that few find it. Few find it. Let me ask you a question. What is your definition of few? Think about that. Think about it in the context of this worship experience today. Okay? If everyone here represents the whole, all, what would be a few in your mind? Okay? It can't be the all, because that's the whole thing. Jesus didn't say everyone gets saved. He didn't say everyone finds the gate. He said few find it. So what's a few? Maybe just your pew, your row? Would that be a few amongst this number? I, I, I emphasize that because of Jesus' care for the lost. Sometimes we may be sitting next to people in church that are lost and we don't really realize it because they don't really realize it because they think they're part of the many. And being part of the many is okay, but in here the many are lost. <laughs> they're not part of the few. When I was in junior high school, and for the young people, this predates the internet. Um, what? There was life before the internet? Um, I used to, my, the way my schedule was set, I can't even remember what year it was, but I had lunch and all the stuff before I went to math class. And so at the end of lunch, I would always pick up a bag of M&Ms, okay? That was M&Ms and Junior Mints. Those were my weakness, and I'm still paying for them today with all kinds of other <laughs> issues, okay? Um, but I'd get a bag of M&Ms. Well, I'd come in, and my friends would take advantage of my generosity by as soon as I sit down, all their hands would come out, okay? And so I'd distribute, and I'd end out with a whole lot less M&Ms than I intended to eat, okay? Probably a good thing. <laughs> probably, probably still had too many. And so this would go on just pretty much every day. Every day I, you know, I'd get my snack and they'd, all the hands would come out and, and so I'd find myself distributing. And so in my mind, I'm trying to think, what's a few? As I'm giving everyone a few, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, spread this out amongst people. Um, the end of that story is that uh, after a while, I kind of got tired of being generous. But I didn't want to be rude. So I got my bag of M&M's Made a, made a show of them, made sure people knew I had them. Hands came out, and I was just liberal. I just generously just poured them all out till the bag was empty. And then they all felt bad, and they're like, oh, well, we didn't want to take all your candy, and, and uh, you know, and of course I didn't want it back because it had been in the hands of an eighth grader. And, uh, <laughs> and so they said, I tell you what, Next bag of M&M's, none of us, we're not going to ask for any, we're not going to bug you, nothing at all. So you guys sure about that? Oh yeah, yeah, we feel so bad we took them. I then reached in my backpack and brought out a half pound bag of M&M's <laughs> and uh, proceeded to eat them. What's a few? 
that was what was in my mind. When the Lord brought me to this passage, he took me back to that picture of what's a few. Okay? If I asked you for a few dollars, what would you give me? If you were eating some french fries and I asked you for a few, what would you give me? We all have our definition of a few, but we do recognize that it is a small portion of the whole. Well, then let me ask this question. If this whole group represents the world and only a few have found the path, what does that mean? How many people haven't found the path to life for Jesus Christ, towards Jesus Christ? Because only a few have found it. Now, here's my prayer, is that we as a whole fellowship are a part of the few of the bigger picture of the world. Okay, And when you think about the global experience of the gospel, that, that all of us in here may very well be saved, and we are part of that few, and that would be a wonderful thing. So don't leave here saying, Pastor told me I wasn't saved today. No, that wasn't what I was saying. I'm saying, is there an urgency in our heart to care about the few or care about the, the many when, when we're part of the few? Do, do we concern ourselves and again, this isn't to guilt you or pressure you. It's just to make you be conscious of the fact that, look at what this says. Jesus does a wonderful comparison. He gives us two different kinds of gates. He gives us a narrow gate. He gives us a broad gate. He gives us two different kinds of way, and that's the life and the journey walked out. He gives us a, uh, a narrow way and a broad way. And then he gives us two destinations at the end of each of those paths, one that leads to destruction, one that leads to life. It, it's the ultimate good news, bad news scenario. What we're hoping most of the time when it's good news, bad news, is that the good news is better than we expected, and the bad news isn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. When it comes to the gospel, let me tell you this, the good news is much better than you expected. It is well beyond what you can even think or imagine according to scripture. It's that good and more. But folks, I, do let, I need to let you know that the bad news is really, really, really bad. It is really awful for those that die outside of fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's why hearts of missionaries get stirred to want to go places where statistics report there are no Christians there. They don't know Jesus. Jesus says in Luke something interesting as a, an, in, in relation to that straight gate. He said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Now, he's not saying that all are not welcome and that if they come, that, that, that there's some that he's going to say, no, 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 you can't be saved. That's not what that says at all. It's saying that there's a whole lot of people that are going to come to the straight gate set their terms, try to dictate how and, and what God should allow, not allow, what accounts for salvation, what doesn't, and they're just not going to get into that gate. It's that narrow. They're just not going to get in when they're dictating the terms. But he says here something interesting. He says to strive to enter in. Most of the time when we hear the word strive, we think that's a bad thing. We think that that's us 
you know, working very hard to do something that God doesn't want us to do. But here's the thing. The word strive in this context is talking about the fact that you are going to be in a battle with what it is you're trying to accomplish. You're being told here by Christ that coming into genuine relationship with him is not as easy as we've been maybe thinking that it is because that gate is so narrow. Because that truth is so true. Because he is who he is. I, I would love it if, 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 if it was so broad and so wide that all could, but you know what? At the same time, I wouldn't love that. Because that wouldn't be what he wants it to be. It's narrow for a reason. Now, can we make our way in there? Absolutely. That's the love of Jesus Christ. That's the grace. That's the power of the blood of the cross. Is there a way to get into relationship and fellowship with Jesus Christ? Absolutely. But it's his way. It's his way. Here's what keeps some of the people striving from getting in. Um, sometimes it's, it's things like sin. In the sense that I don't want to rid myself of my sin. I, listen, folks, you need to have a falling out with your sin before you can fall in to your relationship with God. You and sin have to get to the point where, let, let me tell you this, sin already doesn't like you. You have to get to the point where you don't like sin back. You've got to get to the point where I, I don't want this. I don't want to embrace this. I want nothing to do with this. You've got to say, I'm done with this. I am done but some of us, we aren't done. And some of us don't even want in unless we can bring our sin with us. Unless I can continue this, this way of doing things, this, this lifestyle, these choices, unless I can continue this, I don't want anything to do with this. <sighs> Makes your heart ache. It truly does. Sometimes it, 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 it's sin. Sometimes it's certain types of sin. Pridefulness will keep us from receiving Christ the way Christ is presenting himself to us. There's just so many things that can hinder us being able to come into fellowship. Some of us are battling, uh, succumbing to temptation all the time in our life. And we don't recognize that we can resist the temptation. Let me give you a, a snapshot of temptation that the Lord showed me recently. Um, Satan isn't necessarily and all the time trying to get you to do something wrong and evil. What he mostly wants you to try to do is to do something under your own power. Temptation isn't, and this is maybe what trips us up sometimes, it isn't drawing you into doing this evil, wicked thing. Most of the time, temptation is just trying to draw you into you doing it under your own strength and under your own ability. I was reading an illustration about a war that was going on, and one side was outmatched in terms of the tanks and the armament. They had destroyed most of the other uh, uh, army's tanks and things like that, and so they had no way to combat those tanks and fight against them until they came up with this strategy. 
They put a sniper in a tree, and he would shoot one bullet at the tank. And then he'd let some time pass, and then he'd shoot another bullet. Silence for a while. He'd shoot another bullet. Eventually, the driver of the tank would open the lid and come out to see where this was coming from and what was going on. And then that sniper with a well-placed shot would take out the tank driver. Folks, that to me is such a clear picture for me of temptation. All Satan is trying to do is to get me to come out from under Christ's protection. Ping, ping, till I finally go, all right, I got to figure this out. And under my own strength and under my own power, I, I try to see if I can sort it all out. And then he gets his shot at me. Here's the thing. If I stayed in the tank, he's got nothing. I can keep rolling along. That one little ping isn't hurting anything. It isn't affecting anything. It might not even be chipping the paint at all. But as soon as I come out from under the protection, as soon as I try to figure out how to do it on my own, he's got the shot he wants to take at me. Most of the time when I stumble as a result of temptation, it isn't because I I went out and devised something wicked and evil that I was going to do. I just tried to do it under my own strength. I just tried to do it under my own power. I just thought I had to fix it. I had to figure it out. I had to solve it. I had to take care of it instead of resting. Instead of just staying under the pavilion and under the protection of Christ. I get baited. I get drawn out. Folks, that is what he's doing every single day to every single one of us. He's trying to figure out what's that thing that's going to bait you to come out from under God's covering and protection? What's going to draw you outside of, of just staying under the blood and bring you back into flesh and, and help you try to, you know, try to convince you to come up with some remedy for whatever your situation is? And so here we are. At that gate, it's narrow. The way on the other side is narrow also. Here's the beauty of that. It can be absolutely, completely narrow. If you, down the center of this auditorium, there's a line for the half court of the basketball court. The way, the path can be as narrow as that And you know what? It is easy if somebody else is carrying me on that narrow way. I don't have to worry about whether I'm walking on the line, stumbling outside of it, missing the mark. If someone else is carrying me and they can navigate that way, it becomes easy for me. Listen, your walk with Christ is about him doing it. He will take you and carry you and lead you and protect you and watch over you as he lives out his life in you. But here's the thing. In order to have the way experience, you got to be in the gate. Okay? You you can't, and maybe that's the struggle for some of us. We're trying to live the Christian life, but we're trying to do it, and we haven't come in the gate. Coming in the gate is the commitment of, Lord, you're sovereign. It's yours. It's you. It's all about you. It's not about me. It's your way. No other way. That's the coming into the gate. And then once we're in, we get to live out the life of Christ living in us as we go from day to day and situation to situation and moment to moment. For some of us, the struggle is we're trying to live like Christ without being in Christ. 
and without having Christ be in us. I mentioned there was a time, young people, before the internet, and to actually shop someplace, you actually had to go to that place to shop. Okay, now via the internet, I can be wherever I want to and shop anywhere in the world I want to. But I'm from, I'm from Michigan. In order for me to buy groceries at Kroger's up in Michigan, I had to go inside of Kroger's. There was no way, prior to this new design, forget the new model, there was no way for me to shop at Kroger's if I wasn't in Kroger's. Folks, that's where a lot of us are struggling at. We haven't made the commitment to be in, fully surrendered to Christ, but we're still trying to walk in the way and be like Christ. You know the best way to be like Christ is to let Christ be in you to then be Christ in you, to let him do it. But we struggle because we're not in. Folks, and here's the beauty of this. I believe that this covers every facet of your Christian journey. You want to have more obedience? You're praying and you're feeling like you're struggling to be obedient to the word? You got to be in first, and then you get to walk in the way. I have to be committed to the obedience of Christ, that, Lord, it's your way. It is you that I want to serve. I want to completely surrender to you. Once I'm in, then by his help and by his strength, I then get to live in that. And then obedience is there in my life because he's doing it. I can't, you can wrestle all you want to try to be obedient, but if you're outside of the gate, it doesn't work. It's a lot of frustration is what it is. It just doesn't work. You have to be in. Actually, 2 Corinthians, I believe it is, chapter 13, verse 5, encourages us to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. <laughs> Because it's, it's a great pause and a statement in there because you know what? I can run around doing all this Christian stuff all I want to and be so frustrated because it's not working. What's going on? Why is this not turning out the way? I want? Whoa, 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 stop for a second. And make sure you're in the gate before you start trying to walk out the path that's on the other side of the gate. Make sure you're in there first. Make sure you're in. Then you can flow. Anyone here ever try kayaking on dry land? <laughs> Doesn't quite work, does it? You got to be in. Once you're in, then you can flow. Christ will be your flow. Matter of fact, Christ would not only be your flow, he will be your gate and he'll be your way. John 10.9 says that he's the door. He is the gate. The only way to get to the other side is through him. That's the only entry point to get to that other, uh, that, that other side, that, that life that we are desiring to have, that relationship with God. Christ is that door. He is the only way in there. Well, once we get through the gate, John 14, 6 says that he's the way. He's the truth, and he is life for us. So, where this message isn't designed to cause all of you to run out and be missionaries, 
Here's what it, I believe God has purposed for part of this. Part of it is to make us, first of all, stop the struggle that we're having. To recognize that, you know what, part of this uh, burden, this heaviness, this, this ongoing thing that I seem to be stuck in is that I gotta stop and make sure I'm in first. And then I let Christ have his way. I let him do it his way. I let him lead the way. I let him be the way. But I gotta make sure that I'm in. See, he says to strive to enter in at the, at the straight gate. That striving means that you're going to be up against opposition. There's going to be a battle. There's going to be things trying to prevent you to do it. But it also is telling you that it's worth having. In order for me to strive for something, I should only strive for something that's worth having. I shouldn't waste my time and energy on things that aren't worth having. I can't think of anything else better than having your soul saved by Jesus Christ. That's worth the effort and the energy and the fight against the enemy and the fight against your flesh and the fight against the world. It is worth that for you to come in to the gate and then let Christ be the way for you. The second thing is that then we have that same concern for the people around us. That we pray for them. When you see one of your brothers or sisters struggle, and again, we come to, to church, and I don't think this has been any different than it was back in biblical church, and, and it will probably be when all of us are gone as well, is that we come to church and we do a very good job of trying to put on the face that says, I'm good, life is good. And so sometimes we don't even get to know <laughs> if someone next to us is hurting. We, we might hear a little whimper during the message. See a little tear fall off their cheek. But short of that, sometimes we don't know. I, I think the, the way the Lord is leading the pastor's heart with the smaller groups and the connections and the just fellowshipping and get together is purpose for that. Because I'd love to pray for you, but I can't pray for you as fervently and effectively if I don't know what it is that's going on. Yes, I can pray in a general sense to the Lord, but I think God works in specifics too. I think he wants us to get to make that connection and get to know each other in that way so that we can pray for and care for each other. Well, I think I need to care about your, your journey. Are you inside the gate? And are you letting the Lord lead the way once you're in the gate? If I see my brother or sister struggling, if that, that's where all that was going, if I get to actually see that now, then Lord, how are you pricking my heart to be a blessing to them? to be of help to them. I find that in fellowships this size, there are resources beyond resources, beyond resources, beyond expertise, beyond gifts, beyond abilities. And it's so amazing how the person sitting over there having this struggle, there's the person sitting over there that has already walked that journey and has seen God work that in their life. If you see that your brother or sister is struggling, do we care enough? Do we, do we care enough the way Christ cared? That they're on the road that's leading to life and not the broad path that's leading to destruction. He says many are traveling on that road. I was mentioning earlier 
that there are all of these reasons that we might come to that straight gate, and we might actually want to get in, but we don't truly surrender ourselves fully to be able to get in. I think one of the worst reasons why people don't get into the gate is because they think they're already in. They've been deceived, they've been fooled, and they think they're already in the gate. That's one of the enemy's best schemes. That's one of his most effective weapons. I'm going to get you to stop looking because I'm going to help you think you've already got it. You've got your membership on a on the church roster, you're uh, a part of one of the, the departments in the church, uh, you've got a small group you're meeting with, you just bought a new Bible, you're good to go. And if he can keep you there, oh my goodness, then the damage he can cause in your life, because there's going to come a point down the road where you're going to go, this isn't working, what's wrong? And oftentimes that's when he uses that to get us to turn away from God to separate ourselves from other brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't, I don't want to hear what pastor's going to say because I know what he's going to say again. He's going right back to the Bible and it's just not working for me. Well, maybe the issue was the enemy was able to deceive you into thinking you were in the gate and you weren't in yet. Back to Corinthians. Examine yourself to make sure you're in. Not in because you feel like you're in, not in because you're doing all the proper church stuff that looks like you're in. In because you recognize your sin and you're broken before God because of that sin and you know that the only solution is the need for the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, for his shed blood. That there's no question in your mind that that's what you desire more than anything else and you believe the effectiveness of what he did on the cross and so you're, you're, you're willing to invest and trust and put everything of your life into his hands. And you're willing to completely take your hands off of it and say, Lord, it's all yours now. You, you want to send me around the world? Here am I. I'll go. If you want me praying for my children more fervently, I'll do that. If you want me to un love my unsaved spouse and just let my life lived out for you before you be what you use to draw them, I'll do that. When you reach that point of total surrender and total brokenness and you realize that there is no other solution other than Jesus Christ, That's where you want to be at. That, that's how we get in the gate. And then once we're on the other side of the gate, listen, he's not calling you to take over. He didn't say, okay, now you're saved, now you're on your own again. Go figure it out. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that will lead you and take care of you and guide you through every step of the journey. Are you inside the gate? If you're not, 
Today's a good day for that. Today would be a marvelous day to say, Lord, I want to be inside the gate. I know it's narrow. I know that means I gotta let go of a lot of stuff I've been hanging on to. I gotta let go of a lot of control I've been wanting to have over the things of my life. I've got to see it all as yours now, and I'm just, I've got to move from ownership to stewardship, that I don't own anything else anymore. Now I'm just stewarding all that's yours. I know there's a lot to that, but Lord, I so passionately want that, and here's what I'm believing. You can do that for me. That you don't even expect me to figure out how to do all that, that you'll do it. That you'll do it. I love the passage of Scripture, and I, I missed this for years, where, where Jesus says, come and I'll make you fishermen of men. I, I, I heard that, and I used to think, I'm supposed to come, and then now I'm supposed to go figure out how to fish for men. And one day he goes, whoa, 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 stop, read it slower. I'll make you fishermen of men. I'll do it. Do you want to do it? If you come with the desire and surrender to me, I'll make it happen. I'll equip you to fish. I'll give you the opportunity to fish. I'll give you the pole, I'll give you the line, I'll give you the bait, I'll put you right on the bank where the fish are biting at. But he says, he'll do that. I don't have to feel guilty if yesterday I didn't go out and share the gospel with anyone. That's not what he's doing to me. That's not the life he's wanting me to leave where I feel, folks, if that were the case, we would live in constant condemnation every single day. We wouldn't think we were allowed to have any moment of joy. There's no time for family. We've got to be out sharing the gospel. There's lost people out there. I don't have time to eat. I've got to get out there and be sharing the gospel. What am I doing putting gas in my car? I've got to get out there and share the gospel. We would make our lives so controlled by the fear of failure that we would miss out on all the blessing that God has for us. Because you know what? Sometimes when you're filling up your gas, there's somebody standing at the pump next to you and God strikes up a conversation. And sometimes when you're hanging out with your family, there's someone in your family that's struggling and going through something. And sometimes when you're spending time with your kids and you're just laughing and playing a board game or watching a movie, they just need it to feel loved. They just need it to feel the love of God demonstrated through you that you cared for them. Are you in the gate? And is the Lord having his way? Is he the one leading and guiding and directing the way of your life? Because you stopped. And you said, Lord, it's all yours. Let's close in prayer. Jesus, I'm glad that you're the door. That you are the gate. I'm glad that you are the way. I'm glad that the Father draws us to you. I'm glad that you have poured out through your word, your heart, your character, your love, everything about you. Lord, I'm grateful that your, your plans are greater than mine and bigger than mine and make more sense than mine. Lord, I, I, I'm honestly grateful that the way is narrow. 
because it's your way. Father, my prayer is that if there's anyone under the sound of my voice still outside the gate, still traveling the way that's broad and going through the gate that's broad, that you would use this moment to just stop them in their tracks and just call them to you, just draw them to you one more time. Lord, I love that about you. You don't stop drawing us. You don't give up on us. It doesn't matter how wretched we've been, how horrible our sin has been, how ugly the things we've done in our lives. The beauty of the gate is that all that enter into the gate are yours. That the gate is designed for the most wicked of us to come to a haven of rest. The gate is designed so that the worst of us, doing the worst of what we think is possible in life, can find refuge. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today that needs to come to that gate, that through your love you would open it wide. Let them know that there's rest on the other side. Father, I pray for those that are in the gate, that now they will surrender to your way, that you will order their steps and you will orchestrate their walk and that you would lead them in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Father, we thank you. We love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.